teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Romans 5, verse number 17. If by one man's offense, that's talking about Adam's sin. Adam is that man he's talking about, and offense means sin. So if by Adam's sin, death reigned by one, spiritual death. Physical death came into the world through spiritual death. Genesis 1 says that Adam was told by God, the day you eat of the fruit of the tree, that day, that day you eat of that tree, you'll surely die. Well, he ate of it and lived another 900 and some years physically. So was God wrong about it? No, he died that day. But he didn't die physically. He wasn't, God wasn't talking about physical death. That day he died spiritually. Death means a separation. Physical death is a separation of man's body from his spirit. Or his spirit from his body. My spirit and soul, I guess you could say, from his body. Uh, and so that's what physical death is. Spiritual death is separation of man's spirit uh, from God. And the day Adam ate, he was afraid of God. He was spiritually afraid of God. So uh, he was separated from God. In one man's offense, spiritual death reigned by one. Now, physical death got into the earth through spiritual death. I've been conscious here the last couple of services to get some, some simple things out. So you might say, well, Pastor, you know, you're, you're shutting down what God wanted to do. You just need to grow up a little bit. When there's young ones, when there's new ones, they need to be fed. Besides that, some of you can learn more anyway. <laughs> Amen. Brother Hagin taught us. He, he was my spiritual daddy until he went home to be with the Lord. Still is, really, in a lot of ways. You know what I mean. But uh, he said uh, the, uh, a good minister will take care of the babies first. So you ought to grow up and learn to get a clue. <laughs> Rather than think, well, Pastor, you're shutting everything. No, you just, just hold on. There's plenty of time to shout left. <laughs> All right. So if by one man's offense or sin, Adam's sin, death, spiritual death reigned by one. And then, of course, physical death came out of that. Much more. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Most of the translations add, as kings, by one Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So we've received this abundance of grace. You know that from the New Testament. Uh, John the Baptist said about Jesus, grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. And in Him we've received grace after grace, it says there in John's Gospel. Hallelujah. That's the abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness, not, not something we've earned. It's a gift. You didn't become right with God because you cleaned up your life. You and I tried that and it didn't work. Remember, we couldn't. I mean, we're always missing it somewhere. But no, we were made the righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 says, we were made, him, him who knew no sin became sin. In other words, He was made to be sin for us. He made, made to be sin for us, knew no sin. He didn't sin, in other words. He became our sin. This is a great exchange. This is what redemption is all about. If you want to know what you got when you got saved, you got this. God, Jesus took all the curse, all your sinful nature, all that you were, and now you are made the righteousness of God in Christ. He became sin for you who knew no sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Not the righteousness of the pastor. Not the righteousness of a great saint who prays 
not the righteousness of the Pope, not the righteousness of the greatest saint who ever lived. We thank God for all these people. But that's not high enough, good enough for God. The righteousness of God. Amen. Praise God. That's verse 21. Isn't that right? 2 Corinthians 5, 21. We're made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, this verse tells us one of the things that means. They that received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, now something happened for them. This righteousness, this right standing with God, put him back in a position where he can now reign in life. Wow. Reign in life. Now, that's what Adam had before he fell. Remember God had said to him, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and have dominion over the fish of the sea. Finally, he said, over all the earth. Have dominion. Then he said, guard the garden. Don't let the enemy in, which he didn't do. He let the enemy in. The enemy deceived Eve, and uh, Adam Adam went along with it. But uh, the point is, Adam was there. He was supposed to stop the enemy from getting into that garden. And he also had dominion over all, the earth, all God's creation. Because God said, have dominion, back in Genesis 1. Have dominion. Verse 26, 28, you know, Genesis 1. Have dominion. Well, Adam lost that whenever he became subject to Satan. Satan became the, numbers, uh, uh, what is it, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan is the God of this world. The God of this world, the Bible calls him. How did he get to be the God of this world? Did God make him that? No. No, the Bible said that Adam used to be the one in dominion here. But whenever he sinned, he fell. And Satan then became the God of this world. God didn't make him the God of this world. Adam made him the God of this world. Because Adam relinquished his authority over to, uh, to Satan. What do I mean authority? I mean the right to command and say. Do this, stop this, don't do that. This has to come to pass, so forth and so on. Now, what God is saying here in Romans 5.17 is that right standing with God restored us to a place where we reign through, now the Greek word here is is zoe, through life. The zoe is the God kind of life. In other words, we've received eternal life. You've heard that. We got eternal life when we got born again. Well, that enabled us to reign now. To reign in that God kind of life. We can now reign and are reigning as kings. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, did you know that you have the ability to start things and stop things? Well, what we're talking about is what Jesus said in Matthew 16. Let's go over there real quickly. Uh, You'll get a lot out of this this morning if you just hold on, pay real close attention. I already know this, Pastor. Well, good. I do too. Did you ever think about that? (laughs) See, it's not just eating at one time and then you got it. Like you log it in your mind, like a history book fact or something. No, we just keep on feeding on it, and more light comes as we go. Matthew 16 here, Jesus is talking. Actually, uh, this is not just to Peter, because you go into the 18th chapter, he said it to all his disciples. And then we'll look at Matthew's, uh, the end of uh, when Jesus raised from the dead, and Mark, whenever Jesus raised from the dead, and this is true for all of us. So here we got this in Matthew chapter number 16, first of all. Peter is saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse number 16. Then verse 17. Jesus answered, said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Parjona. Flesh and blood is not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
And I will give unto thee. Now it looks like just Peter's getting the keys here, but we'll look at the 18th chapter in a minute. It's not just him. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What is that? That's authority. That's authority. In other words, we have spiritual authority. Jesus gave it to us as believers. Now the 18th chapter says a very similar thing. This wasn't just something God gave to Peter or Jesus gave to Peter. Let's look at the 18th chapter. Notice what it says here. Verse number 18. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now he called it in the 16th chapter the keys of the kingdom of heaven. If you have a key to this building, what does that mean? You have access to it. In other words, you have the right to come in here. We gave you that authority. You could call it authority. See, there's various different words that uh, are synonyms for authority. One is, of course, authority. But then uh, another one is dominion. Another one is jurisdiction. Another one is control. Another one is, uh, uh, I'm thinking the one, I, the one that slipped my mind right now. But anyway, you have, you have the right. That's what I'm trying to get. The right. Authority means rights. You have rights. Now, that just simply means you have the right to start things and stop things, to bind things and loose things, to tell things to stop, to tell things to start, to tell things to live, to tell things to die. You might say, well, wait a minute, where'd you get all that? Well, as you just listened to the Word this morning, we'll show you all these things. Jesus, uh, the, uh, James said, your tongue controls your life. If you say it and declare it, your, your life will start going that direction. He said, if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. Well, if a king's going to reign, how's he going to do it? With his words. He's going to give decrees. He's going to give commands. He's going to give directions. See, we're reigning as kings. How do we do it? Do we need to gather up tanks and guns and bullets? And No, not, I mean, thank God for defenses here in the United States of America. But my point is that we do it through our words. That's how a king reigns, through his words. And, of course, he backs it up with power. Amen. But notice here he said, we, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's the power of binding and loosing. All right, come over to the Matthew chapter number 28 now. This is after Jesus raised from the dead. He's just, Jesus met his disciples right before he uh, went to heaven. And he said something to them about some of this. So this is not just for his disciples. He's passing this on to all of us. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And uh, this is verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power. Now you look that up in the Greek. It's not really, the best word for that is not translated right, power. The best word is authority. We use the term interchangeably sometimes because we understand what we're talking about. But you understand what there is a difference. Like for example, a, a policeman has authority to stop the cars by holding up his hands. Or holding up a hand, blowing a whistle. You know, he, if he's in uniform, he can blow the whistle, hold up his hand, walk out, and the, and the traffic stops. But he doesn't have the power physically to stop that car if it doesn't want to stop. He can't hold it back with his physical hands. He, does, he doesn't have that kind of physical power. Well, why do they stop then? Authority. <laughs> Amen. Which is backed up with power. All the power of the state is behind him. Hallelujah. Amen. So anyway, I get, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. If you stop right there, you think we're in trouble. Well, we don't have any. But notice he didn't stop there. He said, go ye therefore. 
Go ye therefore. In other words, in that authority. You go in the authority that I got when I stripped the keys from Satan. Remember he said in the book of Revelation, he appeared to John, I have the keys of death and hell. He stripped those from Satan, but he gave them to the church. He gave the keys to the church. All authority is given unto me. You go in that authority. In other words, here's those keys. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the ends of the earth and ends of the world. Praise the Lord. Well, you, you say, well, I don't know if that, that's telling me that I have the authority or not. Well, then just go through the epistles that Paul wrote, Peter wrote, and all these James wrote, and all these people that uh, followed Jesus and learned from him, and see what they said. They never said, well, since Jesus has the authority, then pray to him to do something about the devil. They never taught us to do that. They taught us whatever you, the same thing Jesus taught, whatever you bind will be bound. Because they said it a little different though. They said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You. Don't pray to God to do something about the devil. He gave, Jesus gave you the authority. You resist him and he'll flee from you. 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 That sounds like whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. That's authority because he gave it to you. All right. Now come over to Mark's account here. We'll just read what he said because Mark records the same incident, but states a few things that, Mark, or that Matthew didn't record. Matthew here says in verse number, this is the 16th chapter. Of, uh, I'm sorry, Mark, Mark. Mark, the 16th chapter, the 15th verse. He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the same thing he was saying back there earlier. Matthew said a little differently. But go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name. Now think about that. What's that mean? In my name. In my name. If you go, if you go do something for me and I give you the power of attorney, you would use my name and do it for me. That's what Jesus did. He gave you and I the power of attorney by giving us use of his name. <laughs> in my name. Okay, what do we do in his name? Uh, these signs will follow them in my name. They shall cast out devils. Very first thing he said. What did he say we'll do? Cast out devils. Isn't that right? So, he's talking about, and the Weymouth translation says it this way, making use of my authority. That's what it means in my name. Take my name. Remember, he said, all authority is given unto me. But remember, he did give us his name. Somebody said, well, Jesus' name, he has the right to use his name. Yeah, and we're a part of him. We're a part of the body of Christ. The head and the body are one, the Bible says. We're members of the body, so we have the right to use the name. Hallelujah. It's, it's called delegated authority. It's authority given over from somebody in authority. Jesus gave it to the church. He gave the use of his name. Now, when Peter was preaching in the book of Acts, he said this. I think it's important that we spend a little time thinking about some of these things sometime. He said, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He said the name is under heaven among men. Notice where Jesus is in heaven, but notice where he left his name. He left his name down here. See, when are you going to, some of you are going to stop putting up with some stuff. 
Don't wait for a, an angel choir to sing before you stand up on your hind feet and say, Now, Satan, you take your hands off my baby. Amen. Because you have the use of his name. Well, I've been praying to God about this situation. Well, you can pray and not exercise authority. Think about it. Would a policeman be, would it be sane for a policeman to walk out on the street or actually hold up his hand along the edge of the street or, stay, or maybe uh, 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 kneel down, let's put it this way, a, a policeman to kneel down on the edge of a street and pray, oh God, stop this traffic. You'd think he wasn't right upstairs, wouldn't you? No, because he has to go walk out and stop the traffic. Because the state has invested the authority that the state has to him, to, to, you know, whatever he's doing, controlling traffic or whatever he's doing out there. Isn't that right? Well, it's the same thing. That's what you're doing, though, when you're praying to God to do something about the devil. You're acting like that policeman praying to God to stop the traffic. What if there's a crime going on and, and uh, somebody calls the police and the police come down and they see the guy, the burglar's in there and they kneel down and say, oh, God, help this store not to get robbed. You think, what's wrong? Something's wrong with your thinking. Well, the same thing true whenever people pray to God to do something about the devil. Something's wrong with their thinking. They don't realize the authority that they have. Yeah, there, you're going home. You know, Satan is our foe. Jesus defeated him. But that doesn't mean because he's defeated and stripped of his authority. How many of you know the Bible says he's been stripped of his right in our life? That's what Jesus meant. He said, I took the keys away from the devil. He no longer has the right to do things in those people's lives who are born again. I have the keys and Satan now has been stripped of his authority. The Bible said Jesus spoiled principalities and powers in Colossians 2.15. Spoiled means stripped him of all his armor and all his defenses and all his weapons. So he spoiled him. But that doesn't mean just because he has been stripped of his authority, that doesn't mean that he's no longer going about seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't have the right to devour people, but he does go around finding somebody who doesn't know that. He's an opportunist. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If he has opportunity to do something, he'll still do it. He doesn't have the right to do it. Amen. That's all good preaching. Tell your neighbor, amen. Just like the policeman, you have to stop him whenever, whenever he tries to come. Now, don't wait for him to show up in a red pajamas suit with a fork and tail and a pitchfork with horns on his head to say, oh, that's the devil. He doesn't come that way. He comes in, in all this oppression and all, this, all these attacks against your family and against your mind and against your body and against your, your home and marriage and finances. He tries to bring strife into the house. Amen. Recognize him. I said, recognize him. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, this is going to get better if you just don't, uh, you know, don't just sit there and look at him. Amen. You need to see it's useless for you to pray to God to do something about the devil. Oh, how sacrilegious can you be? Well, if he gave you the authority, then he's not going to do anything about it. He delegated that to you. We have to be aware that whenever he gave it, he did just that. He gave it. And he meant that when he said, whatever you bind. He meant whenever you resist, he'll, re he'll flee. You have to do it. It'd be useless for you to, you know, pray to God to do something. Tell your neighbor, that's good. That's good. Amen. Now, whatever trouble you have, you're having, whatever's trying to come against you, you need to step out 
so to speak. Hold your hand up, blow the whistle and say, not here, not now, get out. Amen. You need to step out and use your faith. You're going to exercise your, your, your uh, dominion by faith. Think about a policeman that has just been deputized. We call it being deputized. You ever seen those old movies? You know, they'll deputize somebody. Put the pen on and make him swear the oath or the whatever. And then, and then now he's deputized. What does that mean? That means that they gave you now authority to do something for the state or the city or whatever. Amen. So what Jesus did was he deputized the church. Amen. He, he deputized us. He said, now you go. Isn't that right? Now you go. Now, so uh, you have to step out in faith on that. Think about that policeman that never has stood out there. I mean, he's just been deputized, just sworn in or however they do it today. And this is the first time he's out there in the patrol car now. And he sees, he, he's been sent out to an area where there needs to be some traffic control. And so he goes out there and he says, man, I've never done this before. <laughs> I don't know if those cars are going to stop or not. They never have before for me. Well, see, before that, he wasn't deputized, which gave him the right to wear the uniform, wear the pistol. Wear the hat. You never notice they wear those hats low so they look real mean, you know. That's good. I like them. I like, I like them when they look like they're in authority. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but anyway, uh, so he, he's going to do this for the first time. Guess what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to do it by faith because he's never done this before. And that's the way some of you have never done it before. You're going to have to start doing it by faith. You say, well, it never has worked for it before. Well, you didn't know what you know now. Amen. That's good preaching. You have to step out and use your faith. See, authority works by faith, by saying something. Amen. Now, this won't feel, because some people uh, are in a rut. They're in a, in a, when they go get into a test or a trial, they get in an emotional rut. They, they pray and they cry and they, they feel like, and then they come out of that and they say, well, I've had such a wonderful spiritual experience. A lot of Christians wouldn't know the difference between an emotional experience and a spiritual experience if, it, if they had to save their life by telling you which one was which. A lot of things emotional. You ever notice out there in the world they talk about a spiritual experience? It wasn't nothing like that. It was an emotional experience. You understand what I'm talking about? What I'm talking about is not based on emotions. What I'm talking about is based on facts and legalities. Spiritual legalities. The policeman might not feel very much an authority at all, but he has the legal authority to stop the traffic. Y'all there? You're going home. But see, people get in an emotional experience, right? And, and they say, well, you know, just saying that, Without crying and boohooing and, you know, so forth, I just don't feel like it's working because they're so used to having an emotional experience. But I'm telling you, this is what I'm preaching is the answer, whether it feels the same as what you're used to or not. This is the answer. It'll feel different than crying and pouting and praying in all the midst of that. But it is your answer. Faith is the answer. Amen. Jesus has deputized you. Doesn't matter what you feel like. Put the hand up, blow the whistle, and say, Mr. Devil, that right there is where you stop. Amen. <clears throat> Tell your neighbor you've been deputized. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what we recognize then is, is you've got to exercise that authority. It's not enough for you to have it. Tell your neighbor you have to exercise it. Amen. Now, um, Satan is your foe. 
The New Testament believer still needs to extend his authority, although Satan has been defeated, because although he has been defeated, he has not yet been imprisoned. He is still going about, he's still active in the earth today. You understand that? Just like a military, two nations at war, one can be defeated. That doesn't mean they don't exist anymore. Just simply means they've had to bow the knee and say, Uncle, we'll agree to your terms. <laughs> Amen. They signed the contract or whatever, you know, the peace treaty. Because otherwise, we're going to wipe them off the face of the earth. Isn't that right? So Satan is still around. He just doesn't have the right any longer to mess with you. Because of the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did for you. Amen. So it doesn't mean just because he's been defeated doesn't mean he's inactive. Or doesn't mean he's in prison. He's still going about, the Bible says, seeking whom he may devour. The thing is that we must do is resist him. Now, he's still going to try to do some things. But he can't do them legally. He can only do them without authority as a criminal. Because he still, still does have power. He just doesn't have the right to use that power in your life. You understand that? So if he does something, he doesn't have the right to do it. He'll try to do it as a criminal. Like somebody can't, nobody has the right to walk into your house and, and load their, your furniture up and, and go off with it and steal it. But there are people around that will still try to do it as a criminal. Isn't that right? They don't have the right to do it, but they'll still try to do it. And that's the way the de devil is. He's illegal now. <laughs> Some of, I'm, I'm making this as plain as I can get it. He's now illegal. Anything he tries to do, he tries to do it as a criminal. But see, now you're the one that has to exercise authority over him or else he'll try to do it. He doesn't have the right to legally, but he still tries to do it. And that's why you don't bow down and pray to God to stop him because he's an illegal criminal trying to do it. You have the authority in the name of Jesus to say, now nah, get out of here. Right, right. That's called exercising authority. That's called binding it. That's called commanding it to stop. Amen. Y'all still there? Glory be to God. Now, a lot of times through ignorance of these things, uh, even Christians are doing without in their life. Either through ignorance or a lack of exercising their faith in this area. They're conformed to the world's way of doing things. Whenever Romans 12, 12 tells us, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does the transformed life look like? You want to know what a transformed life look like? How many of you want an answer to some of this this morning? What does a transformed life look like? I'll tell you. You want to know? You want to know today? You want to know now or later? Oh, you want to know now? It looks just like Jesus when he walked the earth. What does it mean? What does it mean when I get something that blesses me so much and people hear it and they look straight ahead and don't write it down? That means it went right past them. I said it looks like Jesus. You're being transformed into whose image are you being transformed? Into his image. In other words, whenever your life looks just like Jesus's, that's God's plan for you on this earth. What did he do when the wind and the waves came? And was filling up, the, was filling up the, the boat with water. Did he wake up and say, oh, boys, get me a bucket? <laughs> he took his authority. 
What did he do when he came to fevers? The Bible said he rebuked the fever. What did he do when he came to lack? No man eat fruit of the and he rebuked the, the, the lack. What did he do when he came to a dead man, uh, Lazarus? He spoke and commanded him to come forth. Whoa, 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 that was Jesus. Yeah, I know. He was God's sample son. <laughs> that's, that's what your life is to be conformed to. But a lot of people whose minds are not renewed and bless their heart, good Christian people, don't misunderstand me. Love God with all their heart. Die. If they die, they'll go to heaven. But they don't know what I'm talking about this morning. Therefore, they're living without in so many areas. If you're a farmer, for example, and it needs to be rain or else the crops are going to be destroyed, you have the right to say, now rain, come into this farm. You have the right because you're redeemed. Amen. If the bugs are trying to take over and the spray isn't working, you have the right. I just got inspired to say that. Somebody's going to need that this winter, this, this summer. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord for the word. So my, my, uh, the, the, we have to renew our mind to this. That's what he's talking about. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm quoting, uh, uh, you know, Romans 12.1. Present your, 12.2 actually. Present your bodies and then 12.2. Uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind enables you to walk this out. So be conformed, or not conformed, but be transformed to the image of Christ. The way he walked when he walked this earth. Actually, if you read the Bible closely, you and I don't just walk as he uh, walked. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Not just as he was. Don't misunderstand me. As he was is a good start. But as he is now, seated at the right hand of the Father. All authority is given unto him. Seated at the right hand of the Father. My goodness. A lot of this is... A lot of spiritual thinkers don't even go here because they're scared of it. Dear God, I mean, you, you're not saying, you're not saying, you're not saying, you're, you're not saying. No, I'm not. The Bible is. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have received joint inheritance with Christ. We are jointly seated with Him, Romans says. With Him. Romans 8, what is that? Verse 17, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have jointly inherited this place of authority where He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians says He's made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. See, that's talking about our spiritual position in the spiritual realm. That's a place of authority at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Now, back to Romans 5. You don't have to go there, but just think about it. Romans 5, 17, the Bible says we reign in life as kings. Hallelujah. Now listen to the Weymouth translation. This is going to, some of you are going to have trouble with this, but it's not, it's just your religion that's having trouble with it. And this is accurate from the studies of the Word. Weymouth says, Death made use of the one individual to seize the sovereignty. Now, Pastor, what does that mean, seize the sovereignty? Well, what does sovereignty mean? Highest in authority. 
That's what it means. You look it up in the English. It's not actually a uh, King James uh, doesn't use the term in the King James. But highest in authority, that'd be somebody who's reigning, wouldn't it be? So when he said seize the sovereignty, somebody said, well, he's talking about God's sovereignty. Wait a minute. God didn't die. Huh? God didn't die. He's talking about Adam gave his sovereignty over to Satan, who was the, the, the author of spiritual death. Some of you are thinking deeper than you've ever thought before along this line. Death made use of the one individual to seize the sovereignty. People talk about the sovereignty of God. Do you know that God in His sovereignty gave Adam dominion over the earth? And in His sovereignty, He got it back for us in Christ. Hallelujah. That means authority over creation. You have the authority to tell the earth to produce for you. You have the authority to tell business deals to produce for you. You have the authority over creation. He put it here. The Bible said he put the gold in here for, all, for mankind. They put it here for us. God didn't just put it here for man. He also gave him the authority over it because he knew that just providing the supply would not be enough because there would be an enemy, Satan, who would try to keep, us, keep it from coming to us. So he not only gave us the supply, he gave us the dominion over it. He gave us dominion over supply and creation. He gave us dominion over spiritual death. We got out of that when we said, Jesus, come into my heart. We got out of spiritual death. We have dominion over sin. You and I don't have to be bound by sin anymore. We have dominion over the enemy, the devil. We don't have to be bound by his lies anymore. Hallelujah. Now, those who preach God's sovereignty in the way they preach it. Now, there is a, there is, God is sovereign. He is the most high in the universe. The Bible talks about that. But a lot of people misunderstand what that means. That, they think that just means God can do anything He wants to for anybody at any time. And if He doesn't want to heal that person, He just doesn't because He's just sovereign. Well, wait a minute now. I mean, you have to get deeper into the Word than that. God actually, being the highest authority in the universe, and He is, that doesn't mean He can just do whatever He wants anytime any, for anybody. If that, if that means that, don't, don't run out of here getting mad at me, but just listen to me. If that means that, then that means he can break his own word. That would mean if somebody came and said, Jesus, come into my heart, he could sit up there sovereignly and say, not to you. No, I'm not going to do it for you. But he can't do that because he's already given his word on it. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and call on him, you'll be saved. He can't sovereignly decide whether or not that works for one and not another or not. He can't do that. Well, he's the highest authority in the universe. He can do that. Highest authority doesn't mean he can just do what he wants to do. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, before you spit out your false teeth and lose your, lose your composure, I'm not talking about we can lord it over him. I'm saying he has set boundaries by his own word upon himself. If you want to get technical about it, go back to Psalm 138. Some of you, uh, you know, you love the Word, but when it comes to some of the things that you really need, you, you spit out your false teeth. So you need to keep hearing it. Amen. Psalm 138. Notice something very interesting here. Praise the Lord. Everybody here? Yes. Verse number 2. I will, pray, I will worship toward the holy temple 
and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. What does it mean, magnify your word above your name? In other words, he has put his word above even himself. Now, that just tells us, when we said earlier, you could say, in the name of Jesus, you can't do that against the Word. Because the Word is sovereign. The Word is the highest authority in the universe. Did you get that? But if He said, if He said something in His Word, then you have the right, if you're, if you're uh, in line with His Word, to say to that and command it to line up with the Word, and it'll line up with the Word. Using the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So God says things and he can't violate his own word. Therefore, he has put boundaries on himself. Not you and I lording it over him saying, God, you're not allowed to do that. Or God, you have to do this for me whenever it's against his word. You can't do that. He's, he's supreme and superior. But if he said it, he has put limits on his own self. The Bible said he watches over his own word to perform it. <laughs> In other words, that means you come bringing his word and say, Now, Father, because you said this now, I have the right here now to, to not die early here because you said I, with long life you'll satisfy me. You know, and this thing the doctors are saying, it's only three more months here now. And, and so now, God, I see now I have the authority here because your word tells me I have the authority here. You understand what I'm talking about? Woo, man, this is, this is a good utterance this morning. So that's what we're talking about. And we could spend a lot of time on the sovereignty of God, and we have in the past. But um, in, in order to get to what we need to get to for the rest of the service here, we'll move on with that. So notice he said back here in Mark, Mark 16, whatever uh, these signs will follow them to believe in my name. That's making, making use of my authority, the Weymouth translation says. You'll notice the King James goes on to say, cast out devils. Amen. Making use of my name, they'll cast out devils. And he goes on and says other things. But the very first thing is casting out devils. The Weymouth says, making use of my authority, you'll expel demons. <laughs> Amen. Now, how do you make use of his authority? By using his name. Think about this. The New English Bible says, uh, these, these signs shall follow them that believe there. You notice that? These signs shall follow them to believe, verse 17. You see that? Mark, I'm back in Mark 16. The NIV says, faith will bring these miracles to pass. So how do you make use of His authority? You make use of it by exercising your faith. Now, faith can be released by praying to God. We know that from Mark 11, 24. But faith can also be released by speaking words to something and God's ear not even involved in it. Go back to Mark 11 real quickly. Mark 11. See, we're, we're digging deeper. We're not just skimming along the surface this morning here. Making use of my authority. Well, how do you make use of His authority? You do it with words. Using the name of Jesus, using His word. Speaking His Word. Now notice two ways faith can be released. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Now the margin of my Bible, and some of your Bibles might have the same thing, have the faith of God. The faith of God. What does that mean? In other words, this is the way we do things. This is the way we roll. 
you roll with us in faith, making use of our faith. Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Who's he talking to? His disciples. Amen. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that's us today, that whosoever, whosoever, not just the disciples, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith. Notice you're not even talking to God there. You're saying something to a mountain. You're not saying something to God. This is not God's ear hearing this here. It's a mountain hearing this. In other words, you're not talking to God. Is it, are you saying it's wrong to talk to God? No, that's not what I said. Verse, no, verse number 24 is talking to God. Therefore I say unto you, what things serve you desire when you pray? What's prayer? Prayer is talking to God. When you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. There are, there are things to talk to God about. But there are some things you need to stop talking to God about and start talking to it. <laughs> Amen. God, has His ear is open to our prayer, the Bible says. But when it comes to exercising authority, there's a, you can release faith through prayer, you can release faith just through just speaking words to situations. Just like D Jesus did. To the wind and waves. Peace, be still. Jesus wasn't talking to God there. I said, Jesus, come on now, some of you. I said, He wasn't talking to God there. He was talking to the wind and the waves. To the storm. Am I in the right room? <laughs> Hallelujah. But verse 23 is talking to something other than God. Tell your neighbor, that's good preacher. Have faith in God, it says there. The faith of God. Now, it says in verse 23 that he's talking to the mountain. You're not talking to God. If you already have direction from God through his word, you don't need to involve God. You tell it to happen based on the authority that was given to you in His Word and by the name of Jesus in line with His Word, and you exercise the authority there. Amen? You have the sovereignty. Ah! <laughs> Amen? Death, spiritual death, sees the authority that God, God had given to man away from him, but righteousness gave it back. Now, you reign, you reign, you reign in life. God, through, we understand we're submitted to God in this. We understand we're not above him in this. We understand we're not going to use it against him in this. But under submission to God, you're the sovereign in your life. Amen. It's not what God says about you that's going to come to pass. It's what you say about you that's going to come to pass. Remember here he said, you'll have whatever you say in verse 23. Amen. The word is God's direction. In talking, uh, it, it's, ta it's him talking to you today. Act like it's actually him talking to you. If you have the word on a matter, you don't need to talk to God about it or pray to God to do something about the devil. Somebody said one time, pray to God, oh, pray to God that the devil won't get me. Well, it uh, sounds like he already has. <laughs> Talking like that. Hey, Amen, come on. So uh, you don't need to talk to God about it. If you have God's word on the matter, prayer is not what is called for in that case. Amen. God puts you in authority. Prayer to God to do something that He said you're to do as an abdication of your authority. 
Now you think, well, that impresses me, Pastor. You know big words. But you know, I didn't know that word. I was praying in the Spirit last night, and the Lord used that word in the Spirit. I said, abdicate, abdicate. How's that again, Lord? Abdic, what? What? Abda what? Abdication, he said. So I went and I got my iPad out and I looked up the word on the dictionary. What does abdication mean? I, I see you. It sounds impressive that I know big words, but I had to look it up. Notice the word abdication means in the Greek, in, I mean in the English dictionary, to give up, renounce, or relinquish a throne. To relinquish rights, power, claim, or responsibility, or authority. That's what it says in the English dictionary on my iPad. So, for you to pray to God to do something about something He already told you you have authority over is an abdication of your position of authority. In other words, you're getting up off the throne of your life and you're saying, well, I can't do anything. I'm relinquishing my authority. Amen. Prayer to God. There is a place in prayer to God. We all know that. The Bible talks about it very much. But uh, whenever it comes to exercising authority, don't talk to God about doing something. You exercise that authority. You can pray and not exercise authority, like I said earlier. Amen. Now, in a nutshell, Mark eleven twenty three is saying, Jesus is saying this to us, that things will obey you. Talk to them like they will. Amen. I said, things will obey you. Talk to them like they will. What do I mean? What do you mean? Just like Jesus did. He said to the wind and waves. He said to the fig tree, no man eat fruit of thee. He said to the dead man, come to life. He said to fever. The Bible said to rebuke the fever. How do you do that? Do you do that quiet with a whip? No. No, you do it with words. He said he rebuked the the fever, left her. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. So he's saying things will obey you. Talk to them like they will. Talk to them and don't talk. No, no, devil, you're going to have to leave. No, act like you're in a thought. Put your shoulders back. Amen. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's just something about a policeman that's, that's been working out and he's... He's got a big neck back here, and he stands like this. That makes you want to listen to him when he talks. But you got a Gomer Pyle guy that comes out there, you know. You might have second thoughts about speeding off real quick, you know. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Act like you're an authority. Put your shoulders back. Put the hat down on your head. <laughs> Even my cat recognizes whenever I'm taking authority. Do you understand? She recognizes it if I say, oh, kitty, kitty, kitty. Don't. I wish she wouldn't do it. She recognizes I don't mean anything. But she knows when I raise my voice and I say, hey, and I do that. Boy, she gets off that table quicker than you can say scat. She recognizes authority. <laughs> Finally, I woke some of you up. <laughs> Hallelujah. So act like things will obey you. Did any of those things change when Jesus spoke to them? Every single one of them. They, they obeyed him. Well, I tried that and it didn't work. But it doesn't work by trying. It works by doing it. Somebody said, well, I did it. And it not, well, see, you're just going by sight. Hang in there longer in faith and you'll see the results come to pass. 
Amen. Now, according to the way Jesus operated, things went and things came. Things were started and things were stopped. Things go a different direction. You can turn things. You can cause things to come to pass. That's what he said in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. What he says shall come to pass. Hallelujah. Now, you can turn things and cause them to go a different direction. We did that one time in a to- with a tornado in Tulsa, suburb of Tulsa down there. We were in Bible school. Coming right down, actually, with another one, Pastor Hagin, he was, uh, there was a tornado one time coming right down, uh, uh, what was that called, Kenosha, I believe, right down the, the road. I don't know, you were there only in more recent time, you might not have even heard about it, but back in, I would say, what, mid, fi- mid not mid-50s, mid-80s, I think it was. We were there living at the time, but a tornado was coming right down Kenosha, and Rama is on this side of Kenosha, and student housing is on that side of Kenosha blowing over the bank, blew over the, uh, there was a implement, what do you call those places you can go uh, rent ditch diggers and stuff. Just blew that thing. There was nothing left but a foundation on that. Blew the bank out and, and Walmart was on down on the other side of Rama. Took the roof off of Walmart. They had a, a picture of a Rama duck from a Rama pond sitting on the cash register in Walmart. <laughs> took the roof off of Walmart. Walmart's on this side of Rama. The bank and the other places that were blown over is on that side of the Rama. The tornado came down, blowing everything over, went up into the sky, jumped over Rama, back down again, blowing over Walmart and everything else. Well, how did that happen? Pastor Higgins over there at his house saying, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And nothing wrong with Rama. Nothing happened to anything on Rama. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was one coming at us one time. We say, now you go that way. And it did. It went that way. It just went that way. See, you develop tornado faith if you're going to live in Oklahoma. <laughs> Amen. At least you better. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you can change the direction of things. James said, if you can control your tongue, you can control these things. Praise the Lord. And we, you, know, you think about it, the controls in a car. That's another word for authority. It's control. We're not talking about having a control over other people here. You don't have control over other people. You have a control over uh, Satan and anything he's trying to do, do in your life, whether it's through, through the spirit realm or through the natural realm, such as storms and tornadoes and stuff. Amen. So tell your neighbor you have control. What does that mean, control? What that means is, it's just like, well, think about your car. You have, you have controls. When you get in your car to go to eat whatever you're going to do, go to lunch or whatever you're going to do today, uh, go home, you're going you're to get in there and you get a hold of the controls. That's the steering wheel, the gas pedal, the gears, and all the blinkers and all that stuff. Isn't that right? Those are called controls. And what you're going to do is you're going to uh, take, uh, you're gonna take uh, there's a word for it, commandeer. You're going to commandeer the car. Is that the right word? Something like that. You're taking control. Now, you take it over here. You can make it go here. You can make it go there. You can go to, go to this restaurant. You can go to that restaurant. You can go over to your mother's law, mother-in-law and chew her out. You can do anything. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just keeping some of you awake. But my point is, <laughs> my point is, you can control that car. And that's what those are, controls. Well, God, God gave you the controls of your life. He wants you to stay submitted to Him and control it in line with His plan for your life. But you can rebel and say, no, I'm going to do my own thing. You have that choice. You have that right, so to speak. Amen. Of course, it doesn't go well against God, but praise the Lord. So tell your neighbor, you have the controls. 
Now, anything you have dominion over, you take control over with your tongue. Tell your neighbor that's how you get a hold of the controls of your life. Amen. You, you control it with your tongue. Now, coming out of uh, bondage to Satan, where, where in the world before we got saved, we were so used to life being thrown at us and imposed upon us against our will that we had no control over it. You know, just if somebody, you know, just it's, it's part of living in, in the tyranny of Satan's kingdom. He'll just throw stuff at people and they have no control over it. They, they just swallow hard and go through it. You know what I'm talking about? Somehow or another, maybe it'll kill them, maybe it'll destroy their marriage, maybe they'll go bankrupt, you know. Y'all there? But under that kind of tyranny, we were so used to that and not having any control that we're a lot like e uh, uh, Israel coming out of Egypt sometimes. The Bible talks about them coming out, and then God said, Now, I've given you the land. You go possess it. Right. And they went and spied the land and came back. Well, we can't. They got giants and walled cities. And, oh, we can't. We can't. Remember that? They had not, because they had been living in Egypt's bondage for 400 years, over, over 430 years, and had been slaves in that society. Uh, you might not break the spirit of, of a, a people over a few years, putting him in slavery, but when it's generation after generation after generation, eventually it's going to get into their psyche. You understand? And they had been in slavery for 430 years, and that slavery meant that they had life uh, imposed upon them against their will. If the, if the masters that day said, now I want you to make 500 more bricks than normal, <laughs> you just have to do it. You understand? Slavery. That's a type of, Egypt's bondage is a type of being in the kingdom of darkness. Egypt in the Bible is a type of the world. I'm preaching better than you're amening. So what happened is, that's the kingdom we were in, and we had life imposed upon us against our will, and we were not used to making life happen for us on purpose. We didn't know we could control anything because we couldn't back then. But then we come out over into the kingdom of God, and the Bible says, say a thing and it'll happen for you. And we go, like, like Israel, they, couldn't, they weren't used to making life happen. They go, oh, we can't, we can't. They're giants in Wall City. They weren't used to making life happen. And so they were in a, still an old mentality of being, uh, having life imposed upon them against their will. When we came out of the kingdom of darkness, having been used to that kind of imposition against our will, we have to get our minds renewed to realize we now have authority and we can say, no longer, Mr. Taskmaster. No longer, Mr. Slave Driver. Hey! I'm preaching good this morning. You were saved. You were delivered. You were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. Don't flunk like Kadesh Barnea, like they did at Kadesh Barnea. Don't flunk. Don't say we can't. Don't say we don't have the power. You'll be wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, even though you have the authority. You'll be wandering around with your, 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 your stuff wearing out and dying and stuff like that. You've been saved and delivered. Amen. Hallelujah. Now you have the right to have life the way you say it will be. Make the decision and begin to declare, this is the way it's going to be for me. Hallelujah. Now, religion, you can come out of the kingdom of darkness and, and 
only hear religious things taught, and religion will keep you in the same bondage that Satan had you in. Religion won't help you in what I'm talking about. It'll say things like, you never can tell what God's going to do, and oh, I hope the devil doesn't get me, and all that kind of stuff. It keeps you under the wrong thinking. Amen. Praise God. Now, what I'm talking about, and I'm wrapping this up here this morning, what I'm talking about is primarily exercising authority in your own life. In other people's lives, you maybe don't have the ability to control things in their life because you don't have the authority there because it's not your life, it's their life. To wrap it up, let's say, say this. The authority is primarily dominion over the enemy's activity in your life and not other people's lives. Spiritual authority only extends to the limit of your natural authority. You have to understand that. I don't have authority to go to Pastor Don's bank and say, and, and, and say I'd like to withdraw $500 from his checking account, please. I don't have that authority. Since I don't have authority in the natural I don't have the authority in the spirit in those areas. Does that make sense? Now, but if he says, now here, I'm going to put your name on this checking account, and this account will be a joint account or something like that, you know, and we'll both have access to this, then now I can walk in there and do that because he gave me permission now. Isn't that right? Now, that's true when it comes to exercising authority over the enemy in somebody else's life. Unless they give you permission, your authority doesn't extend to their life. You might not want them to go down that road and make that decision and marry that person and get in that bondage that you see coming. But you don't have the authority to stop them. You can encourage them and tell them, you know, that's, did you pray about this or whatever? Amen. But you don't have the authority to stop them. Now, as younger Christians, sometimes God will allow more mature Christians to do things for them because they're still baby Christians. You understand that? That's like... That's like a child growing up in your home. They're still under your authority. So you can pray the prayer of faith for them. You can say, Satan, get your hand off my child for them. But there's going to come a time as they grow up that you no longer are going to be able to do that. Unless they say, Dad, come over here and, and get in agreement with me on this or something like that. You know, that's, you understand that. But as um, somebody grows up, then God expects them to take their place. Praise the Lord. Now, that's the reason sometimes you can carry people for a while and later on you can't carry them anymore on your faith. Because God expects them now to take their place. What we've got to do is begin to grow up and recognize that we should no longer depend on other people's prayers or faith than, than we do depend on them to give us their clothes to wear each day. I have for years gotten up and decided I'm going to wear my own clothes. I'm not going to ask anybody what I'm going to wear today or ask anybody for their clothes to wear today. When I was a little kid, my mom got it out for me and showed me what to put on and all that. You understand? <laughs> but you don't get up and expect anybody else to give you their clothes each day to wear. Well, don't get up each day and expect somebody else to exercise authority for you or to do your praying for you. That's for babies. Tell your neighbor this is good whether you're getting it or not. This is good. Hallelujah. The keys of the kingdom is what, are what you have. The keys of the kingdom are the key to God's success. When Satan rose up in heaven and said, I'm going to exalt my throne, 
Remember what God did? God kicked him out. Threw him out. In other words, he exercised authority. Out of here. The Bible says Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He didn't just float out. The Bible says he kicked him out as lightning. I mean, that's a kick out. Out of here. Boom. <laughs> Isn't that right? So the keys to God's success is exercising authority. And he said, I give you the keys that make us successful in heaven. What are those keys? Authority. Hallelujah. When something tries to get out of place, rise up and, and throw it out. You rise up and throw it out. Hallelujah. That's what it means in, in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. God didn't give the devil place. He didn't allow him to do what he wanted to do in heaven. Amen. God said that's the key to the success of the kingdom of heaven. And he said that'll be the key to your success. You're going to have to bind things and tell them not here, not now. Amen. Well, glory. If that didn't feed your faith, you weren't listening. <laughs> tell your neighbor you are a deputized believer. Amen. Look at them and say this. Have you raised your hand yet and sworn into the oath? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you can be deputized, but you don't accept it yet. But you need to raise your hand and say, I accept it now. I accept the badge. I accept the authority. I take the name of Jesus. All right. Now, whatever I bind is bound. Whatever I loose is loose. Yeah, accept your deputization. <laughs> Glory be to God. I don't know that we've ever seen, except Jesus, of course, I'm not talking about him, but uh, somebody walk in complete dominion on this earth. But why not, why not shoot for it? Remember whenever they tried to kill him before he was giving up his life, eventually gave it up for you and I, but they tried to kill him, push him off the cliff. The Bible said he just walked through the midst of them. Praise God. He must have just under his breath took authority over it and said, you can't in the name of Jesus. Walked right out. My goodness. I think it's time for us to feed on this morning. The Lord spoke to me a number of years ago, and he said, preach much on faith and authority in this new era. Well, this is getting us started, at least, on this subject. Praise the Lord. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147. Or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you, and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.